Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'd like to talk about resources. Things I've run across, information, people that have helped me along the way from the very beginning of my research and up to present day because this is still a learning process with regards to nutrition and how it ties into the food system which gets back to the environment even though I began this journey 100% dedicated to the ethic of veganism, which is why I even talk about veganism. Now, it doesn't come up very much for me because I don't push that aspect. Even though, you know what, I probably should because the ethic is that deep for me. I'm 24 years in and I haven't compromised the ethic because there's never been a reason to. And I haven't compromised my health because there hasn't been a reason to. So... How did this all start for me? Well, before I was even vegan, I was vegetarian. And how that happened was after, you know, a childhood and a teenagehood of not wanting to harm anything, but not knowing, you know, what it has to do with my food. Eventually, when I went off to university, I saw some examples of animals not being treated very well for research in the agriculture department of the university. And I'm not here to point fingers or blame anybody. This is, you know, part and parcel of today's modern education system with regards to agriculture because the vast majority of humans eat meat. A lot of them don't know why, but they do. And so in seeing this, it hit me really hard to the point where I questioned, why do we need to do this? Like, even if we need to eat meat, why do we need to research animals in this way, cause them harm, cause them detriment? And then over the course of my course in agriculture, we visited a few farms and I saw a few more examples. And I, to the point where I couldn't attend certain parts of the walk, I chose not to. I could have, but I was like, I don't need to see this. And it wasn't because I was squeamish. It was because it honestly made me angry and sad at the same time and pissed me off. And so I started ingraining that ethic of why do we need to do this to survive? And then I was living in a house with um, other students who all were studying to be veterinarians. And so there was a lot of discussion and talk about animals around. There was definitely a deep love and affection for animals. But I have, I can't say a reverence, which is something that I believe is the starting point, is a reverence for all life. Even Lao Tzu puts this as one of his basic tenets for being a healthy, contented, satisfied human being reverence for life and what that means is valuing it not taking it when you don't need to period and that's waste of any kind um with sentient beings it's much more applicable because they can feel the pain in the same way that you and i do and so that's fairly egregious now i can explain how it is we do that and that's part of this discussion but uh, I'll get to it later. For today, the segue here is that after viewing all this and living in, in this situation, I eventually started talking to one of my roommates about it. And she said, oh, well, I'm vegetarian and my parents are. And they learned a lot of what they learned from PETA, that group, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And I had never heard of them at that point. But I read some of the literature and, you know, it was what it was. It was very 
graphic and open and obvious, but honestly, it was very honest. And I saw most of that information not as propaganda or marketing, but as just saying things that we aren't told about the way the food system works, the way animals are treated. And so I was fairly appalled and knew that I was going to be set on a course to take this very seriously. Of course, this being the early 90s, about 1990, 91 is when this seed started becoming more real, you know, expanding upon the seed from childhood of not wanting to hurt anything. And so that was my first introduction to information, to a resource that could help me get some information. Now, I know PETA has come a long way since then, and I don't follow them anymore. I have no um, opinion about them one way or the other, but I do know they are a resource. They publish lists of things. They go through ingredients. They're very methodical about trying to provide information. Their marketing campaigns, how they try and influence in the world, I don't have a heck of a lot of comment on. I don't see a lot of it. Um, it doesn't enter my sphere of influence. I've learned over the years that I'm in this for myself, my own sense of freedom, feeling, and for that of the animals that I don't harm. And it's been 24 years, so there's a lot of animals that haven't been harmed by me. And that's a pretty good start and to be an example without being an overt activist all the time. I've done a bit here and there, and that's been fine for me all along the way. So from there, it took a few years because I didn't know enough about diet, my own health, my own fear of lack of protein for years on and off. Eventually, I segued to being like, I can't do what they call vegetarianism anymore. I need to go full on. And one day, I did that cold turkey. I looked at the chicken in the frying pan and said, I can't eat it and said to my partner, can you? Because I'm done. If it's them or me, I'll go with a smile on my face because at least I will know I'm doing what I need to do. And from that point on, it was time to do a bit more research. And still, I didn't have any firsthand research. I was on my own in the relationship. My partner was vegetarian. No real discussion of being becoming vegan either but that relationship ended shortly thereafter for various reasons and my next partner who I stumbled across in a very beautiful way very much uh, synchronicity of circumstances was also vegetarian segueing into being vegan halfway across the country and we got talking about it and the ethic of it and both coming from the same place we called each other out on being vegetarian, wanting to be vegan, because being vegetarian for ethical reasons really doesn't make sense. It has to be a, ve a vegan choice at that point. So we both said, okay, well, well, we'll segue into veganism by getting rid of what we've got already. And then we eventually got together. She moved into where I was living uh, and on my side of the country as such. And we started researching. And in the process of doing that, the first book I remember purchasing was Vegan Nutrition Plain and Simple by Dr. Klaper. That was back in 1997 or 8. And to this day, that's still one of my favorite books about the diet. Because it's plain and simple. It's not preachy. There's, it's not dogmatic. It's very matter-of-fact. It's very much the way I am and the way I approach things. I take the ethic very seriously, but it doesn't mean I need to shout it from a rooftop. And try to convince the world of it. Being a 
good example and knowing why and making sure I've got my nutritional bases covered is half the battle. And that's where I was lacking early on because I was lacking and had suffered quite a bit through my childhood and teenage years with poor nutrition, despite living in a family with access to um, whatever we needed for groceries. We just um, didn't know any better collectively. And I ate the poorest probably of anyone in my family consistently, sugar being the main enemy. So that's that was part of my challenge and led to some other things that I'm still dealing with a slight bit to this day. But back to Dr. Claper. Can't recommend him enough because that book solidified my feeling that, wow, okay, I don't need to worry that I'm going to die of malnutrition, that I'm doing the wrong thing. Even though I wasn't concerned, I knew I was in the minority. I saw references to the fact that, you know, certain people throughout history had been famous vegetarians or vegans. And, you know, I took a little bit of pride in that at the time and a little bit of uh, confidence. It reinforced the validity, even though I didn't want to think, well, being aligned with these people makes me better, makes me special, makes me smart, makes me, you know, moral, morally virtuous or anything like that. It was never anything but personal for me about how I feel about myself in the world based on what is necessary and what isn't necessary. And so after that, my partner and I got pretty excited and did a lot of research. Um, one of the first books after that I remember buying, because further to learning about veganism, I was wondering, like, well, how far can this go? What is the optimal human diet? If we weren't told, you know, through our ego, what we could eat, what we should eat, if we don't need to eat, if we were just left to our own devices and instincts, what would we do? And so I did a lot of research, and I have done a lot of research in that vein. I'll be talking about that more in the podcast in the future. But the next book I remember buying was the book by David Wolf, The Sun Food Diet System. I'm probably not remembering the title exactly correct, but it was one of the first books he wrote about health and nutrition, and it encompassed a lot of things that my partner and I were investigating at the time, some of it quite esoteric and uh, what you might call spiritual. And so it answered a lot of questions. It tied things together, and it was a big book full of a lot of information. The Sun Food Diet Success System. That's the name of the book. And I still have that book because I find um, a lot of good information in there, even if some of it is perhaps not completely applicable and practical yet in today's world, may I say. Um, and some of it might be what uh, you know people might call a little new agey or woo-woo. Whether or not those things bear out to be true as our society perhaps evolves into a more compassionate consciousness, um, we'll let, let that see what happens. I, I don't have any deep comment on that. But he's been a pretty good example himself of a healthy vegan who is uh, concerned about the state of the world at the same time. Which, you know, I found the ethical vegans tend to be the ones that do open themselves up to the environmental aspect. And yet sometimes the very last thing they consider is the health aspect. Whereas for me, the ethical thing was first and quite immediately I understood that 
the environmental aspect is tied completely in with that based on the way we um, are consumers in this world, how agriculture works for animals and plants. You know, there's very poor agricultural practices for both in the world, and I'm concerned about both, and I should be. Um, we all should be, because um, it impacts our health long run, long term, either way. And so I read that book and was pretty excited, so excited that I did do a raw food stint fairly shortly thereafter, and honestly, that was some of the best that I had felt to that point in my life. Even though I was fairly thin, still am, but I was strong wiry and I felt extremely light uh, in a good way not lightheaded just light now one of my long-term health challenges has been actually eating enough and now I'm getting to understand at this age and yes just at this age that part of that has had to do with gut health and things that um, I neglected well it hasn't been poor all the time I fixed the majority of my gut health problems in my late 20s, early 30s. I definitely know now that it never truly transitioned to a state where I was fully absorbing everything, fully getting all the nutrients. And having started to fix that in the last few years, I've noticed a noticeable difference in both my appetite and um, the capacity to put on a little bit of weight um, fairly easily while still feeling good and strong all the time. Because for people that know me, um, I'm a physical worker. I do landscaping. I get a crap ton of work done. And to this day, I've only had a couple people ever keep up with me physically. And so, yeah, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back for still achieving that, irregardless of what I'm eating. But that has a lot to do with my, my personal character and attitude as well. So your diet doesn't just fix everything. But it doesn't diminish my capacity to do any of those things, to perform at a high standard when I'm doing sports, when I'm working, whatever the case may be. And for mental clarity as well. Um, carrying on with talk about the journey. When I was in Victoria, my partner and I attended a book launch for the, the two writers, female writers, of the book How It All Began, which was one of the first um, modern vegan books. It was a cookbook. Uh, recipe books and it talked a little bit about the diet and the ethics and that was interesting because it was taking veganism out of what I might call the the hippie mindset and bringing it into modern culture a little bit that was one of the first books that did that and so it was neat to know them uh, for a couple of years while we while we lived there and attend a, a few potlucks and support them as that was Part of supporting ourselves and getting to know other people because at that point we're talking early 2000s 2000 2001 not a lot of people identifying as vegan in the world even in places on the west coast like victoria and vancouver now from there i've researched and read a lot of books over the years and being next living in vancouver i ran across brendan brazier who is the founder of Vega and how has a couple other books out about uh, Thrive Diets and Thrive Fitness. Um, excellent, excellent advocate for both veganism and very good balanced vegan nutrition. Uh, Brandon Brazier being a triathlete and high performance athlete in his own right. And funny story, a couple 
years after he founded Vega, I attended one of his talks, probably one of his very early talks in Vancouver. And it was uh, decently attended. It was in a small room above a, a restaurant, the Fig, I believe it was called, restaurant at uh, 12th and Broadway in Vancouver. And he was so shy and quiet, um, not the consummate speaker, but uh, he was passionate and he told his story. And he's an example of one of those people I respect highly because they are a living example of trying to find a solution to something that they need. He knew he needed a plant-based diet because it was the most efficient. And he just kept tweaking it so that he could perform better, so he could re he could train sooner and recover faster. His, his uh, mentality being that if I recover faster and train more, I'll be in better shape, I'll be a better athlete, I'll perform better. And so through all that, he basically formulated the Thrive Diet and um, additionally to that, Vega, which has become one of the highest uh, selling protein and supplement, vegan supplements in uh, North America and perhaps elsewhere, I'm not sure. But after attending that talk, I saw a call out that Vega was looking for stories, for transformation stories so that they could use it in their marketing. And I went and met with the um, one of the the other co-founders of the Vega product at his house, and we talked for about an hour. And I think I was a bit naive in going to talk about it because they were looking for transformation stories. And my transformation story wasn't obvious because I went from thin prior to being vegan to being thin after being vegan, and uh, to to which I remain this day within five pounds of the same weight as I was when I was about eighteen. And so I told my story about the transformation for me was more inner. It was an inner spark of feeling light, of feeling better, having cured myself pretty thoroughly of allergies, of asthma, of digestive problems. Of course, a lot of that was getting rid of just processed and junk foods, although I certainly wasn't done with the processed foods at that point in my vegan journey. Um, I was excited just to eat comparable foods to what I used to eat, even if they were just, you know, veganized versions. So we met and I think we had a good talk and we both knew by the end, like, oh yes, Steve's got some interesting stories. He's doing all right, but he's not a transformation. Uh, if you want to actually have a poster boy, you don't put a picture of someone that looks the same before and after. They were looking for physical transformation stories more than anything. And, you know, that's uh, more power to them. That is what makes a difference to people when they see a visual of how a plant-based diet, a vegan diet can change a person and improve their life, improve their health. So over the course of the next few years, I got to know um, the work of Rich Roll after he uh, wrote his first book. I'm trying to remember the name here. Hang on just a second. Finding Ultra, of course. And I read that book very quickly. Um, first time I picked it up, I don't think I put it down much until I had finished it. And again, another inspiring transformational story. He had a partner who supported him. He had uh, an epiphany about, you know, his health and being like, I can't do this anymore. You know, standard American diet wasn't working for him. And uh, 
you know, he could see his future being quite bleak if he carried on the way he was going. And of course, being a previous athlete, he had the potential to regain that. And he actually did that and took it to a whole new level. So I read the book not too long thereafter. He started a podcast. I think I listened to the first probably 40 or 50 episodes of the podcast. Every time it came out, I was right there ready to listen. And that connected me to even more people who talked about veganism and diet and philosophy and lifestyle because he did not and does not to this day exclude anyone from the podcast if they're not vegan. And again, that's what makes him a stellar host and questioner that's not a good word, and inquirer of other people's lives. He really wants to see what makes people tick and try and get to the foundational level, you know, of of what's efficient about it, what's holistic about it, what's passionate about it. And it doesn't always have to be from someone that's vegan, obviously. There's different ways to get there. So he is a fantastic resource himself, and he'll point you to other resources if you find his link. Now, another nice gentleman... I've been vegan longer than me. One of the few people I know is Robert Cheek, vegan bodybuilder. And if you want to find a holistic, compassionate, very lovely human being who is just in this to make a difference, um, look him up. He um, runs a couple uh, websites and Instagram feeds, vegan bodybuilding being one of them. He's an advocate. He writes and tours. He just wrote a best-selling book which I don't know the title of, but he did look him up. Uh, Another story here, when he was in Vancouver about six, seven years ago, he put out a call to uh, the local vegan community and said, hey, I'm in town, where should we meet up? And me and about five others met up with him at a lovely restaurant called Heirloom in Vancouver, and we had dinner and had a nice chat. Good guy. Um, Another resource, John Joseph, punk rocker, former, uh, and current, I guess, if they're doing anything, leader, lead singer of the Cro-Mags, um, wrote a book called Meat is for Pussies. Good double entendre there, and um, there you go. Huge advocate. He sees through a lot of the, the crap in the world, and he states it, and he talks about it, and not too dogmatic at all. Just uh, another good resource that will tell it like it is. Further to that, there's a whole bunch of um, vegan doctors who are associated with a place in California called the Hippocrates Institute. Um, One of my favorites is Pamela Popper, Dr. Pamela Popper, another long-term vegan with an attitude and uh, a good attitude, but uh, no bullshit, just wants people to do well, be happy, not just about their veganism, but about their, their mental headspace, how they're doing in the world. You know, because we do live in a challenging world, veganism aside, there's a lot of mental health challenges with regards to the the huge systems and structures that um, try to make rules and make things happen in this world. And they they, they aren't always that on the mark, that um, moral or virtuous for sure. And she calls a lot of people out on that. As well there, you can run across Dr. Garth Davis, um, a couple others associated with veganism, Dr. Ornish, Dr. Joel Kahn, Dr. John McDougall, and of course, look up Carl Esselstein, or rather Caldwell Esselstein, from, who is associated with the China study. Again, all big name resources 
Now, if I was to start listing all the resources I know, I'd be here for an hour. But I just wanted to give you a, a hit list of some of the people out there that you can look up that will make a big difference in the beginning of your research. And from there, you will likely connect with a lot of other good information. But I want you to realize at the end of the day, the biggest resource you have is you and your heart. That's your ethic. That's your moral compass. That's your why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? From there, we all have capable minds. We can find support. We can find support groups. You can find local potlucks. You can find EarthSave potlucks. You can find meetup groups in just about every city in North America where the vegetarians and vegans of the world come together to support each other, share good food, hopefully share good stories of our journey. And from there, you can find vegan activism groups if you're looking for them. Whatever path you want to go down, what I want to reassure you is that it becomes simple once you've made the decision. Because that's exactly what happened to me. Once I simply decided, well, this is what I have to do. Because my heart is literally telling me this is the only option at this point. Then you figure out a way. You always do. And you're not alone. You will never be alone, especially in this world where the internet can be such a great resource. As well as connecting ourselves, it can disconnect us from. So... Use the, use the resource, but be in the world as much as you can as well. Go into nature. Connect with your friends, your family, animals, and follow your heart. It'll be the biggest resource you ever tap into. And from there, whatever challenge you have can be overcome. I've talked about some of mine in previous episodes, and I'll probably talk about some more in some future episodes. If you have any questions about um, going deeper into any of this, give me a shout, give me a shout, Steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. That's the name of my other podcast, by the way. It talks about uh, life on the deepest levels of consciousness, self-consciousness, and human ego consciousness. And in this podcast, I connect that together as to how it relates to our food and lifestyle choices. And if you want to support me in this podcast, there'll be a little note at the end. And one of the reasons to support this is simply to empower this plant-based guy to keep doing what he's doing and to do it efficiently with as much compassion as I can, as simply as I can, and to publish a book at some point called Tales of a Natural Born Plant Eater, which is coming out through these podcasts, but which will be um, in digital and or printed form at some point in the future once I have actually compiled all of it and finished it. It's getting close, but, uh, you know, the more time I have to do it um, over and above my day job, then the sooner it'll get done. So I appreciate any support you send at any time. So wishing you all the best and uh, take care of yourself and your world. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves. And it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life. This is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience 
if you'd like to support a very simple human doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, and anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, there's a donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send uh, a donation through PayPal, Steve at IlluminatingTheDisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, Steve at IlluminatingTheDisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.